Father, we thank you for the prayers that have been prayed, the songs that have been sung, and the opportunity to worship you in giving. Now, as we prepare to get into the, your word, we ask that you will reveal yourself and that you, your word will fall upon the good soil of our hearts, that you will be glorified thereby. We thank you and honor you for this opportunity to speak to your people. We ask that you will just use me for your glory that your people will be blessed. We thank you and we honor you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody, we are in a new series. This new series is called Family Life. Now, this is not what you might be thinking about family life, but hold on. We're going to get there. I told you this whole year we're going to be focusing on the family. Um, so I wanted us to start off at the macro version, the, the large, the high look of this before we start getting into the micro portions of it. And so today we're going to look at our first episode and the subtitle of our first episode is called Covenant Power because in the totality of family there are three categories there's only three categories there's married there's single and there's children that's the only three categories there really are you're either in one of those three categories now I didn't say you're acting like one of those three categories I said you're either in one of those three categories you're either married you're either single or you're a child. And so we're going to cover, over the next three weeks, we're going to cover. But I want us to start off, first of all, with the married. And so, when we get married, it is a covenant that we make before God. And so, a Christian marriage is fundamentally different than what the culture says marriage should be. Meaning that a Christian marriage is different than those that are not religious or those of other faith. A, a Christian marriage is meant to reflect the intimacy between God and his people. That is the purpose of Christian marriage. And as I said, the subtitle for episode one is covenant power. Now let's cover our definitions for today. Our first definition is family. The family is the collective body of persons who live in one house and under one head or manager, a household. Now I want to emphasize that one house does not necessarily mean one building. Okay? I want you, we got to get this because Again, we're not looking at the micro today. We're looking at the macro. We're looking at the family. Like, for instance, God's house, Christian church, is considered a house of faith. And so all of us that have the same faith, we are all under one house. Life is the present state of existence. The time from birth to death, our manner of living or conduct. So, Family life is how are we living in 
the house that we are living in. That's what family life is all about. Let's talk about a covenant. A covenant is a mutual consent or agreement of two or more persons to do or to forbear some act or thing. A mutual consent or agreement of two or more persons. And then our final word today is going to be power. Power is legal authority or force or strength, energy or ability, natural or moral. We're going to get all this together in just a couple seconds. And so as we're talking about marriage and we're talking about this being one of those things that everybody's getting married, but a Christian marriage is a little bit different. Why is a Christian marriage a little bit different? Because it is involved in a contract. The contract or the covenant is between not only that man and that woman, but also between God who is the one who initiated marriage in the first place. That is why most of the time you'll hear the uh, pastor say, as we stand before God and these witnesses, to, let, to help us to acknowledge that this is just not this agreement between you and, yeah, I love you, you love me, and we want to spend the rest of our lives together. But this is also has spiritual connotations to it because it is something that God had established before almost anything else. This is one of the first covenants that he's established. All right? So let's look at how Paul kind of tried to explain it, and then we'll go from there. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, we're going to start at the 20th verse and go through the 33rd verse. This is the English Standard Version, and it goes like this. It says, Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. He who loves his wife loves himself. He who loves his wife loves himself. When Jesus says stuff in three, that's because he was emphasizing it. All right. For one, no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. 
Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Then Paul says, listen, this mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that it falls upon the good soul of our heart in Jesus' name. Now, there are so many different directions that this set of scriptures have gone in and through throughout the history of time. I just want us to walk through just a little bit of this so that we can get our mind wrapped around it really quickly. First of all, marriage is a fundamental institution found in all human societies. Again, a Christian marriage is going to function differently based on the fact that Christians must view all things through the lenses of the faith. Y'all catch that in the morning. A Christian marriage is going to function differently based on the fact that Christians must view all things through the lens of faith. Why? Because Christians recognize that marriage comes as an ordinance of creation. Marriage was a part of the creation story. If you look in Genesis, the first chapter, starting at the 27th and 28th verses, this is what Paul was actually quoting in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Meaning that from the very beginning, God intended men and women to marry each other. That was God's intention from the beginning. But so if God established it, God has the intentionality for it. That means if you say that you are a follower of Jesus, then that also means that you should do marriage the way that God says to do it. Now, I have to admit that over the years that I have heard some very biased interpretations of Ephesians, the fifth chapter. I have heard, I, I, you know, I'm not going to say exactly how I feel about it, but I, I, I think that there may have been what do they call it? Heavy, heavy fellowship before service started between the pastor and his wife before he got up in the pulpit. And so he would emphasize how much that the wife needs to submit and, uh, and brings up all the things that the wife should do. I, I, I've heard this type of stuff. And, and for a while, I was thinking that the, 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 the husband just had free reign to do whatever he wanted to do, and the wife just had to go along with it because of what I had heard. Now, this is not what the Bible says. I have noticed how they would always start with the 22nd verse and miss the 21st verse. 21st verse says submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then the 22nd verse says why submit to your own husband as to the Lord. Not to every man. Not to 
somebody that's outside of the covenant, but to your own husband as unto the Lord. So it's bringing out the fact that wives, when you submit, and oh, let me see. I ain't put this in my notes, but it just came to me. Submission does not mean subservient. Submission means that you are willing to place your will under the guise of another. Now, I also want to bring out the fact that men always are in a place of submission. So it's not like men don't know how to submit. Oh, oh, I need to, let's do this for example. You go to your job and you got a supervisor and he don't, and he tell you to do something, you walk, you walk away and you might be grumbling, but you're going to do what they told you to do, right? Because you want to get paid. That's called submission. All right. So just, just, I just need to kill that real quick. It just ran through my mind because, yeah, I know it only seems to say that wives submit to your own husband. But if you remember before that, y'all supposed to be submitting to one another. All right. Well, Lord, I was going to be macro, but now I'm all in the weeds. All right. So, but this is the next thing. Marriage always comes with another C word. Marriage always comes with commitment. That means that we are committed to one another. But in the Christian mindset, it is much more than a commitment because it's a covenant. And because it's a covenant, it means that God is witnessing and ordaining this decision. This is why I got a problem with, oh, wait a minute, that's later on my notes. But I'm going to get to it in a minute. Because you said, I want to be with this person for the rest of my life. And God says, okay, you make that decision. And we're going to go through it together. I heard one first lady say that marriage... Is a marriage will help you to verify or validate your salvation. <laughs> because living together 24-7 can put a strain on your nerves, especially when y'all not in total agreement. So the the uh the covenant situation means that this is this situation that we, we are asking God to bless because we are operating and living in a life that is full of love, faithfulness, and peace because we are fellowshipping in oneness with one another and acknowledging that God is the head of this venture, this joining, this Commitment to one another. And God says, okay, I will agree with that. So what makes a covenant different from a commitment? So a covenant is created when an oath is made. When a word is given, when there is a demand upon what we say, what we are saying, it is the covenant becomes the witness to what the oath is that we are making. Because a commitment is more like a business contract. 
A covenant creates a relationship between two parties. A covenant uh, creates this environment whereby these two parties are saying, we are going to do this together to accomplish whatever the goal is. For instance, the Bible shows the fact that when God made a covenant with Abraham, they met together and they went through the covenant process of saying how they were going to do this. God not only created a covenant with Abraham, he also created a covenant with Noah. He created a covenant with David. He created a covenant with uh, each one of us when we accept Jesus into our lives and we walk through the process of life. So a covenant is this oath of agreement that is based upon us being in relationship. A contract, you don't have to necessarily have a relationship with the person. You just say, you're going to do this, I'm going to do this, and this will all be good. But the covenant brings out the fact that this is an intertwining of who we are in order for us to move forward to where we're going. Okay. So... This is the sort of binding that happens between a man and a woman in a Christian marriage. A covenant, a relationship is created and not just in front of the people. It's made in front of God. God is watching every couple that gets together and says, we're getting married. Now, I don't have nothing necessarily against it. I just, I just need to bring out this point. There's an online dating company called eHarmony, and, and they like to market something that I really don't agree with. And the thing that I don't agree with is the idea of a soulmate. Because what it implies is there's only one person just for you. And I don't believe that's true. I, can, I believe that anybody, any two people, can, if they make the, a commitment, can be married. I know y'all not going to agree with that, but this is what I believe because it is not based upon a mo, uh, uh, how much you like each other. It's, not, it's based upon the commitment of making the thing happen that you are in the agreement about. So, for instance, we find out that David, I mean not David, that Isaac and Rebecca, Isaac didn't even meet Rebecca until the day they got married. They didn't have no courting. They went, say, I need to find somebody from the family that's willing to get married to Isaac. Rebecca said, I'm willing. All right, let's go. Can I get 10 days? You can have 10 days. Let's go. They get there. She jumps off there. She looks at him. He looks at her. They both say, well, they, they look all right. And then they got married. All right. Mary, oh Lord. All right, you two. All right. Because sometimes us wrapping around the fact that we, we met all this criteria that is the same does not cause us to match our souls. Because we have wrapped around this fact that, you know, this is my soulmate. A soulmate to me is someone that is or has gone through situations with you. Yeah. 
They have been there through thick and thin. Um, today we call them the ride or die. We're going to do this together. There, there's, a, there's a commercial, I mean a, a little video that I, I crack up every time I see it. Two people are sitting across from each other. It actually comes from a, a movie and he says, I'm, I'm telling you right now that we're going to do something. And I can't really tell you exactly what it is right now. But it may put us in prison and it may get us killed. And then the other person says, whose car are we taking? I'm going. And that is what a soulmate, you, you don't find a soulmate, you don't go out there. A soulmate is, is part of the process of life that you go through. I mean, it, I've seen situations where a, a, a husband and a wife, really, really, you would be like, I don't know why they still together, but they, they stay together it, whether it's financially, whatever it is, they stay together and they have established this bond that you couldn't break even if you tried. And you'd be like, well, why y'all still? I, it's none of your business why we're still together. We're just still together. That's what it is. And so the soulmate idea can make us think that marriage is about happiness. But, I, I you know, unfortunately... I got to tell you, I, I, I do have to tell you this. Marriage ain't about happiness. Marriage is about commitment and maintaining your covenant with God. Yes. Now, through the process, you can get to a point of happiness. Mm -hmm. But what we mess up is, uh, he, they don't make me happy no more, judge. So I don't want to be with them no more. Now, if I was a judge, I, you know what? I'd probably get disbarred because I'd be like, you need to take your little sorry self back to the house. And y'all need to work this out because we think just because we're going through a little bump in the road that now it's time to go find another soulmate. See yeah. that? See that? You know what? Yeah. Okay. Thank you, baby, because you <laughs> don't get push me too hard. So what should happen in a Christian environment is the fact that men and women in marriage or about to enter marriage should always look at it realistically. And we should be especially looking at it in the light of the covenant that we're coming in. Because finding someone does not complete us. And that's what the implication of a soulmate is. is you find this person and they will complete you. No, I was complete before I met you. Now I want us to come together because I believe that we can enhance one another. But no, if, if I'm with you, I'm complete. If I'm without you, I'm complete. But you don't complete me. I, I, when I hear that, when I hear you complete me, I'm like, you got the wrong thing going in your mind. Because when you start placing that level of weight and responsibility on another person, guess what you've done? You made them an idol. Because you're saying we can only find our fulfillment in this other person when all of our fulfillment, everything in our purpose is found in the creator who made us. Mm -hmm. So if we expect our spouse to be God for us, guess what? We're going to have problems because they just as broke up and beat up as you are. Only God can complete people. We constantly fail each other. We constantly let each other down. We constantly dis. dis 
disappoint one another. We constantly cause problems with one another. But the thing is, because we say we're committed to each other, we're able to work through it because our commitment is greater than the situation that we're going through at that moment. And so this ties into the fact that today everything is about me and how I feel. So not only is it about me and how I feel, we take that same mentality into marriage. Now we started off with Ephesians 5.21 says we got to submit to one another. But I can't submit to you if it's all about me because then that means I can't make me priority because I'm submitting to you. See, now we're causing problems. No, we just won't read the Bible no more because it's all about me and I just want it to be about me. People, so people were looking like, okay, we get ready to get married. What am I going to get out of this marriage? Well, nothing, because we ain't getting in it, because you ain't, you ain't got the right attitude. Because we want to establish, what is this going to do for me? What, what is it? This is an opportunity for us to come together and to reflect the intimacy that God has with the people in our lives. We are, we are Christians. We're called to, called to be self-sacrificing. We're called to love one another. We're called to put others before ourselves, We're to esteem others more highly than ourselves. But still not in the marriage. It's all about me. So it, when we enter into a relationship, especially one as important and as sacred as marriage, with a me-oriented attitude, it will not provide a foundation for a long marriage. Because the more that is about you, the more that is not based upon the biblical premise, but more upon your desires and your wants and your needs and all this other stuff, it will not be able to walk through or go through the weight of life. And so we want to orient ourselves and understand that this is not just an agreement between you and me. This is an agreement between me, you, and the person that commissioned marriage, who is God himself. God established it. God made it as part of creation. And because of that, we, if we are Christians and we want to live this life appropriately, should not only uh, seek it in the way that God has designed it, but we should also example it the way that God designs it. I've heard one couple, um, y'all have heard of this couple, and so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say the names because, you know, they said this more than one time. The, uh, the, the man's, Tamala and uh, David Mann. And, and so they asked him, they said, why y'all always happy? Why y'all always, and, he, and, and David said, we came in an agreement that we always want to try to outserve one another. We came into this agreement that we're going to outserve one another. So they have this competition between themselves who can serve the other one 
more than the other one. So they're always doing everything. They're always putting the other person for, forward. They're, they're, they've, they defined the marriage commitment in a biblical mandate by submitting one to another, loving one another, respecting one another, and trying to do it more and more every day so it becomes an environment where both feel fulfilled and functioning in what they need to do. Isn't it something? When you do things the Bible way, you get the Bible results. When you, when men, when we love our wives the way that God told us to, then the respect that we demand in just seems to show up somehow. It just happens to be there. And it becomes this this, this, this process where we, we get onto this circle little thing where I don't, I'm, I'm tired of showing her all the love and then why don't you respect me? I do respect you. No, you don't. And then you start loving on her some more and then, oh, she just respects me all day, bro. She just, and then you start, it just becomes this circular thing when Let's just love. Let's just do it the way the Bible says so that we can have the Bible's results. Mm -hmm. The power of the covenant is in our ability to follow the covenant. I'm going to say it one more time. The power of the covenant is in our ability to follow the covenant, to do it the way that God says so that we get God's results in the thing. Husbands love your wife the way Christ loved the church. Gave himself for it. Wives, submit yourself to your own husband. Just like you would with Jesus. Well, he don't act like Jesus. That ain't what it says. It didn't say when he act like Jesus. It just said to do it. But we'll get into that when we start talking about micro stuff. We always look for a reason not to. Okay. All right. All right. So, as I was saying, if we want the power of God's presence in our relationship, in our marriage, then we have to do this the way that God has established it. Submitting one to another, loving and respecting so that God will be glorified. And you're in it now. You're in it. You can do it, and when, especially when you make Christ the center of your marital relationship, you will find out that it will go way beyond what it is that you thought it would be. Amen. Well, that's, that's episode number one. We're going to get into the singles next week. So get ready for another bumpy ride. But I just want to, before we continue on, I just want to remind you that if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that is way beyond anything that we can talk about today because even in the midst of us talking about marriage, you can still know that Jesus loves you and his whole desire is for you to be into the family of God. That's why he came. He came. He paid the price that you were supposed to be paying for your sins, your transgressions to God's law. And the Bible says that the gift of God 
is eternal life. But the wages of sin is death. And we want you to have life. In order for you to get that life, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved, rescued, delivered from the penalty of sin. And we want that for you today. Our desire is to assist you along that. Say it every Sunday that this is not an individual sport. This is a team sport, and we will come alongside you. We desire to assist you. If you are not here in uh, the Simpsonville, South Carolina area, you can email us at info at godshousecc.com, and we will get in contact with you. We will come alongside you. We will assist you in this journey. So let us know, and we will definitely be there to help you. Well, friends and family, that's episode number one in the books. Covenant power, following, allowing ourselves to be under, understanding what a covenant is. That, that means you got God involved in this situation and that he is there to assist you to achieve all that you need to have achieved in your relationship because it is an example of God's intimacy with us when we show our intimacy to our partner. So next week, we're going to get into our singles and talk about them, and then we'll go on to our children the week after that. So with that being said, until next week, God's blessings be upon you in Jesus' name.